Good morning. You can all hear me? There's power in the name of Jesus. I'd like to talk to you today about spiritual battles. Spiritual battles have taken place from Genesis to the present. These battles take place in the heavenlies between God and his angels and between Satan and his demons. If you go back in time in the Bible, you will find one of the spiritual battles involved a devout, powerful Jewish Pharisee named Saul. He was out to get Christians. He was out to persecute them. He was out to jail them. And he traveled around with a group of followers just doing that, putting them in prison. Saul and his followers strongly felt that people following Jesus Christ were spreading falsehoods. The Messiah had not come. They were following a false god and bringing down the Jewish traditions and beliefs. On his way to Damascus to arrest more Christians, he was knocked off his horse and blinded. And Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And to make a long story short, Jesus was told to go to Damascus, stay in a place. I'm, I'm really short, shortening this part up. He was given a sight back, and lo and behold, he became one of the all-time evangelists and apostles for Christ. Going th around the countryside, in Asia Minor and Europe, putting churches together. Now, he, he led in doing this a pretty tough life. He, he went through a lot of uh, hardship, traveling around, spreading Jesus throughout Europe and Asia. Now, Paul, I think you know, wrote 13 books in the New Testament. And a lot of his books, a lot of his testaments were on starting churches, spreading Christianity, uh, and this was just a complete turnaround from where he was as Saul. He was a man out to destroy Christianity, and lo and behold, here he is, moving it forward, representing Jesus in the strongest possible way, in all kinds of very difficult circumstances. Paul was a prayer warrior. You come across that in all the books he wrote to the churches he started and communicated in prison and out of prison. The book I'm going to center on is the book of Ephesians. Paul wrote this letter while he was in Rome, waiting for his trial with the Roman emperor. He insisted on the Roman emperor because he was a Roman citizen. He didn't want to be tried by the Jewish uh, people back in Israel. He wanted to be tried in Rome. So in doing so, he was in chains part of the time. He was under house arrest for part of the time, but he was also in a dungeon with chains chained to a Roman soldier. And the conditions were pretty squalid. You have to wonder how a man could write about joy while being held in squalid conditions, being chained up. The letter to the Ephesians was sent to strengthen and encourage believers. Paul spent three years in the Ephesian church 
And he had a close relationship with the Ephesians. Now we live in dark times. A spiritual battle is taking place in the heavenlies. It's been going on since Genesis. But is it, is it intensifying as Satan is running out of time? I'm going to refer to the book of Ephesians. This book is a book of a power and authority to those who know Jesus as their personal savior. I want to emphasize to those who know Jesus as their personal savior. Okay, we're going to look at now some things. I'm going to refer to the screen up here to Ephesians 1, 20 to 23. Okay, he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head of everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. In other words, after Christ was crucified and he rose again, he went to be with the Lord. And he's sitting at the right hand of God. He is all power. I, I'm going to say this sort of in an offhanded way. Jesus was given power. Complete power. Having been raised from the dead, Christ is now the head of the church and is the ultimate authority of the world. Amen. Jesus is the Messiah, God's anointed one. The one who would set the broken world right. As Christians, we can be confident that God has won the final victory and is in control of everything. Now you might say, he, he, what's, what's going on? He is? That's what's going on around us. Doesn't seem that way to, at times. But he is. He's in control. We need not fear any dictator or nation or death or Satan. The contract has been signed and sealed. We are just waiting a short time. While, for short time for its delivery. As Paul says in his letter to Romans, Nothing can separate us from God and his love. Romans 8, 37 to 38. Now if we have a look at Ephesians 2, 4 to 6. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. The key, couple of key things here I want to point out. It is by grace we have been saved. Nothing we've done. He's done it for us. As long as we accept him as our personal savior. Now, here, the thing that really gets me here in verse 6. We're raised up with Christ and seated with him. We're seated at the right hand of God. Hallelujah. We don't have, you know, it's amazing when, when you, you look at and hear that. We're seated, and we're actually seated at the right hand of God through Christ. Now, through Christ, the key here that I want to mention, one of the keys here, is your prayers have authority. 
through Christ, your your prayers have authority. You can pray for example. I'll give you an example. Just in the powerful and mighty name of Jesus Christ, I command healing in my body. Whether it's the knee, an ankle, a hip, something internal, you can claim healing in the name of Jesus. You have that authority. You just have to use it. Jesus has far more power, far more power than Satan. A lot of people are worried about, you know, Satan and his, and his demons. You just call on Jesus. They flee. They disappear. They may come back, and I'll come to that in a bit, but they, they'll leave. Jesus is your personal Savior if you accept Him. You cannot earn it. It comes by grace through faith. We live in a physical world. And I know before I became a Christian, I was Mr. Do-it-all. I could do it on my own strength. I had, you know, I had this built-in drive. I didn't need Jesus. What I need Him for? Who's that guy? Didn't mean anything to me. But you know, we live in a spiritual world as well as, well as a physical world. The, the spiritual world is present. There is growing darkness, but Satan is in his last days. He is the father of lies. He's fighting hard, but he's losing. We are in a spiritual battle. A lot of the time you cannot see the battle, but you can feel it because it's invisible. Let's turn to uh, Ephesians 12, or Ephesians, sorry, Ephesians 6. I want to go to verse 12. I'll read the whole thing in a minute. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, I have to say this. I would say I was probably in my mid-30s. That's when I accepted Christ. And early in my Christian walk, I, I met this young, you can call her a woman or a girl, she's 17, sort of. I call her a woman. A young woman who was an absolute prayer warrior. I didn't know it at the time, but I knew there was something about this girl. Now you say, where am I going with this? Well, she was a daughter of a missionary family living in Nigeria. This is in the 1970s. And there were a lot, there's a lot of stuff going on then. They were living in a stockade, so to speak. They had Nigerian government troops. They had bodyguards. You're saying, what do they need all this for? Oh, there was a lot going on. There were rebel raids. There was terrorism. There were tribal wars. There was witchcraft, there was Satanism present in the area. There were a number of things against Christianity. Now these people came to Canada on furlough. That means they took you know, a break from the mission field. And they, I was at that point uh, go, attending uh, in Burnaby a Foursquare church. Um, and they were sponsored by the Foursquare churches in Canada. And often uh, the woman would 
give a sermon a lot at the churches in the area. She said her daughter prayed constantly for, for Christ's guidance. When I met her, I had a feeling she, she was looking right through me. And man, this, this woman, she's very different. Sort of scary in a way, but different. And I was only a, maybe a Christian for a couple of years, so I really didn't understand the power of prayer. But she had gone through so much, many spiritual battles in Nigeria. Her family was nearly killed on a couple occasions. There was fires, there was Molotov cocktails being thrown, there were spears, there were arrows, there were guns, there were everything going against them. That's how she grew extremely close to Jesus. It was like Jesus was in her back pocket, if she had a back pocket. She prayed continuously. Now when she prayed th through Christ, it was with power and authority. And I heard her with the youth groups in the area, and when she prayed, you could see and feel the Holy Spirit moving. Very powerful. And I thought at the time, Man, this girl's weird. She's very different. Like, what's going on? And of course, I didn't have the maturity in Christ to know really what was taking place. Except here was a very powerful woman who, who prayed about everything. Even when she's going to leave her house or go to high school. She came, she came to Burnaby South, which is a high school in Burnaby, for grade 12. And she, the, her parents wanted her to go to college, so she had to, you know, at least get a year of... of, of uh, education in Canada and she did well but boy did the, when the kids were around her and looked at her they thought wow is she ever different well yeah she's different because she's gone through hell and back where she lived in Nigeria if she went somewhere she had to have bodyguards go with her at this point I didn't understand what was taking place God gave this young woman spiritual gifts she learned to practice these gifts. Let's look at what you can do regarding arming yourself spiritually with the power of God. You have it. You just have to put it on. Do you think the Roman soldier goes to battle naked? He wears his armor. That's for his protection. That's your protection also, which I'll come to. We need to put on the armor daily. So uh, if you can put... We've, right, we got it back up here. Finally, be go, go back. Thank you. Finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done it, everything to sand. Okay? Gord, you can move on to the next frame. Thank you. <clears throat> Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit. And I'll, no, I'll stop, I'll stop at 17. I'll come back to 18 in a bit. 
In the Christian life, we battle against rulers and authorities, the powerful evil forces of the fallen angels headed by the devil, who is a vicious fighter. To understand their attacks, we must depend on God, God's strength, and use every piece of armor. Now Satan checks for weak spots in the armor. He knows them all, so we must help each other, stand our ground, and resist the enemy until the end of the battle. At verse 12, again, if you just flip back, Gord, please. For our struggle is not against the flesh and blood, but against the rulers. These are not mere fantasies. They are very real. We face a powerful army whose goal is to defeat Christ's church. Do not forget Jesus is way more powerful than Satan. When we believe in Christ, these beings become our enemies and they try every de uh, device to turn us away from Christ. Although we are assured of victory, we must engage in the struggle until Christ returns because Satan is constantly batting against all who are on the Lord's side. We need supernatural power. It's there. God has given it to us. We just have to use it. We need supernatural power to defeat Satan and God has provided. His Holy Spirit within us and his armor surrounding us. So if you feel discouraged, remember Jesus' words to Peter. On this rock, I build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Matthew 16, 18. Now, let's go to uh, next, yeah, thank you. Verse 16. When the enemy, the ruler of the world, sends us flaming arrows of temptation, doubt, anger, despair, or desire for vengeance at us, we can hold up our shields and stop them. We are assured that every one born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world. Stand in faith against Satan with firm courage even when he uses his most fearsome weapons. God assures you of victory. Now if we can go to the next set of slides. Gord? Okay. What I'm going to do here is sort of walk you through. We're talking about armor here. And here we go, with the belt, meaning truth. The devil fights with lies, and sometimes his lies sound like the truth. Believers have God's truth, however, which can defeat the devil's lies. Next slide. The breastplate, righteousness. The devil often attacks our hearts, the seat of our emotions, identity, and trust. God's righteousness is the breastplate that protects our hearts and ensures his approval. He approves of us, having sent his son for us, because he loves us. Next slide. The shoes. I'll have a picture in a few minutes of a Roman soldier in armor. Shoes, readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The devil wants to think that telling others the gospel is a worthless and hopeless task. The size of the task is too big, and the negative responses are too much to handle. But the shoes God gives us are the motivation to continue to proclaim the true peace that is available in God. News everyone needs to hear. Shield. 
shield of faith. What we see are the devil's attacks in the form of insults, setbacks, and temptations. But the shield of faith protects us from his flaming arrows. With God's perspective, we can see beyond our circumstance and know that the ultimate victory is ours. Next slide. The helmet. Salvation. The helmet of salvation, the devil wants to make us doubt God and doubt our salvation. The helmet protects our minds from doubting God's saving work for us. And then the last one. The sword of the Spirit. The Word of God. The sword is the only offensive weapon in this list of armor. All the others are defensive in nature. There are times when we need to take the offensive against the devil. When we are tempted, we need to trust in the truth of God's Word. So the scripture, your Bible, is it's Word of God. Very important. Okay, next, next one. Okay, now, I looked all over the place for a Roman soldier... I wanted a guy who had the sword in his hand, but I couldn't find one. But you can see there that, that some of the armor and some of the, it's all named. You can see the, the breastplate, the shoulders down across the chest. That's the, the uh, breastplate of righteousness. You can see the helmet in his uh, right hand. Uh, the belt is very, very, uh, it, it holds up all his stuff, not just his pants, but everything else. Um, we have uh, the shoes. Um, those shoes, some of those Roman soldiers wore those shoes for months on end. They were great for walking. They never wore out. They were made of leather and they had studs on the bottom for walking. And of course, the very important, the shield against spears, arrows, whatever else he held up. So let's go back. Back to verse 18. So uh, you'd have to go back, Gord, a number of slides. One forward. Great. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Now, I have to ask, how can anyone pray on all occasions? I refer you back to the young teenager, the 17-year-old girl I talked about who was in Nigeria, who spent years of her life in Nigeria. One way is to make quick, brief prayers a habit as you respond to every situation you encounter throughout the day. These, these can be simple requests for help or spontaneous thanks for the beauty around you. In addition, you can order your life around God's desire and teachings so that very, your very life becomes a prayer. You don't have to isolate yourself from other people and from daily work in order to pray constantly. You can make prayer your life and your life a prayer while living in a world that needs God's powerful influence. Praying for all Lord's people means praying for all believers in Christ, praying for the Christians you know and for the church around you. When you wake up in the morning, put on the armor of God. Pray for each piece, even if you have to open your Bible and read each piece you're, you're putting on. Because it's pretty hard to memorize the whole thing effectively. When you do that, God assures you of victory. Let's go back to the soldier. It's the very last gourd, the very last one. You need to put on everything that's there. Put on that armor. 
for your daily walk. That's the armor of protection. You need to know God personally to wear it. You need to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior to be able to pray with power and authority as Paul describes in Ephesians. You need to come to Jesus who was seated at the right hand of God. You can do that. I'm asking you to do that now. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, maybe now's the time. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to be very brief, but if you, you don't have to close your eyes. You can if you want, but if you don't know Jesus, you can repeat this, and I'll go slowly through this. Jesus, come fully into my life. Forgive me of my sins and staying away from you and trying to run my own life. I accept you now as my Lord and Savior. Amen. If you said that prayer, you were born again. Now, what do you mean born again? I've been born once. Well, you were born physically, but now you're, born, you're being born spiritually. If you'd like to have someone pray with you, there'll be some people over by the windows later after the worship team comes back. And you can, there's, there'll be a handful of us over there. Thank you.